Exactly. And we are live with the fourth episode of the Bronx Bomber Babble Podcast. I'm your host, Luigi, Matt, Luzzy. You can call me any of those names. And I'm with Nick. And we have a new co-host. Welcome, Ryan Toms, a big, a big contributor in the BBB realm. Ryan, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, Luigi. I would, I think it's kind of an understatement that I'm a big contributor. I would say that you need to think of a lot bigger word or Oof. another word to uh, <clears throat> use there just because you know how much I uh, have to take on my plate with this blog. But I'm happy to be here and finally contribute vocally some of my Yankees takes with you guys. You know, Ryan, I was going to let say, you explain that because I didn't want to do you any injustices, you know? I, I was about an assistant to the manager. <laughs> I, would say, I would say that works pretty well. Good term. You know, Ryan, I'm, I'm not even worthy to shine your shoes, so I'm just out here. But, you know, Ryan, our tradition on the show is everybody's first guest. You have to give us your least favorite Yankee of all time and your hot take for the 2018 season. So, Ryan, go ahead. Well, I'm not going to go as bold as say Chan Ho Park is my least favorite Yankee. I'm going to go with someone who actually was on the team for more than like a month. So I'm going to go with uh, Stephen Drew, who was the apparent heir to Robinson Cano at second base. Everyone had to huh. everyone had to see him play very wonderful baseball. He uh, combined for a negative war in two seasons, hit below the Mendoza line, even though he was advertised as a great fielder, constantly saw him botch balls, but... You know, I think he hit one walk-off home run that everyone went berserk on. But other than that, he was terrible to watch. And every time he was up to bat, it just it made me cringe. I just couldn't want, didn't want to watch. Yeah, that was Steve, original, very yes, original, yeah. Ryan. I, I, Stephen Drew is uh, that's pretty appropriate, man. That oh, just go on. I don't even, I'm I just got bad memories, man. Probably had to think really hard for that one. Yeah, honestly, I, I, I picked a couple of names out of a hat, and it just happened to be Stephen Drew. <laughs> Well, you know that there was talk. Uh, I saw a couple people say, you know, Stephen Drew might make sense for the – maybe not necessarily make sense for the Yankees, but, like, that's a Yankees-type move. They might bring him back. And thank God uh, Danny Espinosa took that crown as the veteran passed his prime infield of the Yankees signed. But uh, I was a little afraid there that we might see Stephen Drew round two. And, you know, I don't want Torres, you know, one of the best prospects in all baseball, being blocked by Stephen Drew. We saw that show once already, and I don't want it again. I know. I mean, Eduardo Nunez almost took up that role, too. I remember when the Yankees rumors were out there for Nunez, everyone was blowing up, especially everyone here. Please do not bring back Nunez. I mean, he's not a bad player at this point in career. I'd say he's much better than Drew. But you just don't want to see a, a guy who he's already done his time with the Yankees block someone like a Gleiber or an Enduhar. I think if my dad if I think if my dad was on the show, his least favorite Yankee would be Eduardo Nunez, man. He, he, Nunez pissed us off, man. I feel like he made an error every game I watched. And every game, his helmet flew off, rounding the base, or he'd fall down. He'd do something to make oh everyone laugh and then scream at their television. Yeah, what a character. Just so you know, some people on Yankees Twitter wanted us to re-sign Eduardo Nunez in their entire breakdown of what they wanted the uh, Yankees roster to be. So thank, just thank the good Lord that uh, that guy's not running the team because there were some people out there that wanted him back. Agreed. All right, Ryan, so that's a goodly Sarah Yankee now. This is the tough question. What's your hot take for the 2018 New York Yankees? Well, I was choosing between uh, a mid-season acquisition of a Chris Carter or a Steven Drew, but I decided that might have been a little bit too bold. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm going to go with uh, our good friend Masahiro Tanaka, who I know some of us at the blog really enjoy him and enjoy him as a player in the team. But <clears throat> I think this year he's going to bounce back, and my bold prediction is that he's going to start the most meaningful game of the playoffs again this year and make the all-star game out of the Yankees rotation. Hmm. 
Hmm. That's, I mean, it really, if you look at last year and you just really hope that's just, that was a, just a really bad year because the year before that he had a great year, I believe what he finished fifth in Cy Young voting, I believe mm-hmm. I mean, he, uh, he's really got to get back. Like I was saying on the previous show, I think of Tanaka was his normal self last year. The Yanks win that division. He, I mean, I know he pitched that gem against Boston. I think he pitched a couple of gems against Boston, but there was just too many AL East games where he single-handedly lost the game for the fifth inning. Yeah, I, I just think with him, consistency is key. Because if you think about it, he had the start against Oakland, the start against Boston. I think he had a start against Toronto as well, where he double-digit strikeouts, went the whole game, and just hitters mm-hmm. looked absolutely lost against him. And then you had games like Derek Jeter Day, where he comes out here, the, the most important day in Yankees history since probably 2009. Absolutely freaking right. Yep. And this man freaking – I think it was first pitch of the game. George Springer took him deep. Uh, I mean, it was, it was just terrible to watch. Just disrespectful. Well, and one thing, too, that we haven't uh, covered yet is how, how smart does Tanaka look for opting into the contract? Because I think a lot of us forget he could have been a free agent. He could have opted out and tried to get more money. But you look at this uh, free agent market, and it's been very stagnant, to say the least. So he looks smart for opting in to the rest of this contract. And I got to say, I respect him for, you know, I, I think he wants to play in pinstripes, and that's awesome. So I'm rooting for him. I think we've kind of established the last couple of vlogs that – Really, the home run problems are here, and I don't think they're going anywhere. So it's really up to him to kind of manage around the occasional long ball, and hopefully he can keep more in the yard this year. Yeah, it's just with with uh, you know with Tanaka, he's going to give up home runs, right? Just like Judge is going to strike out a lot. These are just things. Just like Patantis is going to walk guys. These are things you have to accept. But it's just about managing all these things, right? Because last year you can't give up thirty five home runs and call yourself an ace, man. That's just oh. <laughs> 35 home runs, man. I know that's not the record. I know he, I don't even think he led the league in home runs given up, but pretty close, pretty close. That's, I think yeah, that's a lot of home runs, man. Mm. Hopefully, Masa could get back on track in 2018. It'd be very interesting to see. Now, we just wanted to really quick talk about spring training because you know, we're not going to go real deep into spring training and all the stats, but it is worth noting that the Yankees are eight and two right now, they're having a very good spring. The two hitters that have uh, really stuck out to me are uh, the young guys because really, you know, the veteran guys who already have spots, you really can't take too much of what they do, uh, you know, Greg Bird last year. Um, but Miguel Anduar has just been doing great. And another guy that's been hitting really well is Tyler Wade. Tyler Wade's hitting 357 right now when 14 at-bats, he's 5 for 14. So he, Tyler Wade's been doing – for a guy that literally looked like he could not hit for the life of him last year – He's had a pretty good spring so, so far. So you guys see uh, Wade or Anduar possibly playing themselves into an, a starting role? I'm not, not going to say an opening day starting role, but maybe a starting role by uh, summer. I think at this point the Anduar and Drury thing, is it's kind of a toss-up because Drury is not having a terrible spring by any means. You've seen him have a couple good extra base hits, but of course Anduar is having a marvelous spring. But the fact that Drury already has the advantage over him, I'd say right now they're pretty neck and neck for the starting position, but Wade – I definitely think the Yankees should look into starting him at second base because he just provides a dynamic that this team really lacks. Other than Gardner, who's probably seen his best years of running behind, go behind him. Mm-hmm. The way I see Wade stretch out singles into doubles and the two defensive plays he made in the past few games he played were phenomenal. I'm not sure if you saw the double play he turned in the Rays game, but that play was absolutely, it was at shortstop, but nevertheless, it was phenomenal. And just, I think that kind of versatility, the speed, Normally, he has a really good contact rate. I think that's something this team that's stacked on power severely lacks. 
Well, I think I've pretty thoroughly covered why I think that, you know, Andujar is superior to Drury, but I think that Drury is going to definitely end up starting at uh, second base this year. He's going to start in the infield at third or second, and uh, with Torres probably going down for a bit in the minors. And Tyler Wade's an interesting case because he's hitting well right now. Uh, it's spring training, obviously, so maybe we could say the same for Andujar, but I look at Wayne. I would like to give him a second chance. He's kind of a, a you know a better rated defensive infielder, and like Ryan mentioned, he's very speedy. So honestly, my ideal starting infield, you know, opening day, assuming Torres is going to be sent down, would be you know Wade at second and Duhar at third. Um, but boy, Wade is really going to have to come on and prove something uh, because again, the, the Yankees traded for Drury, so I think that they're pretty set on giving him some sort of role to start out. And, you know, if I have to pick between Andujar and Wade, I'm going to go with Andujar and, uh, you know, if Drury has to start at second over Wade. Yeah, just to uh, put it to perspective, what Tyler Wade did last year, he was uh, 58 at-bats, nine hits, negative .5 war. So I really do think he's going to have to earn that spot in some regular season, right, whether that's an injury, whether that's – Go on. And a funny personal story about Tyler Wade, just to kind of put in perspective how bad he was last year. When you when you go to a Yankee game on the road, um, the Yankees travel well, and most people know who the players are. So I went to a Yankees game in Cleveland last year, and we went outside to the player parking lot um, after the game, you know, wait and try and get some autographs. And, you know, a lot of the Yankees guys came out, uh, you know, got on the bus or whatever. But Tyler Wade came out. Literally walked right out through the gate, walked right out through the crowd. I knew who he was, but nobody approached him asking him for any kind of autograph or nothing. So I know that really doesn't have anything to do with his, you know, season or his ability, but it just kind of shows you that, boy, he was that bad that, like, Yankees fans, I don't know if you've seen him, they'll flock to even guys who just got called up and haven't really done that much yet. Mm -hmm. So hopefully for Wade, man, I'd, I'd like to see him get a shot and maybe get a little bit more attention, but I, he's really going to have to, you know, hit his butt off this year to, to get a starting spot. Yeah, he really is. Um, just Because really, it's like you can't start a guy so soon that hit 150 last year, even if he is having great spring, right? And a few other notes about how uh, the Yankees are doing this spring. <laughs> get this. Jacoby Ellsbury, Brett Gardner, and Greg Bird are combined three for 33 so far this spring with all one hit each. So, not to mention one of those guys is a uh, right back strain, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah, one I'm of the, sure you could guess who that is. <laughs> one of those guys uh tripped down the stairs and he's out till summer, so we have that going for us. But really, yeah, but... it was crushed by one of his money bags. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to lift up some cash and just right. hurt his back. Mm. Oh, man, but yeah, so really, spring training, you really can't look that into the stats really the only stats you look into a whole lot are the young guys right so that's why i think it's it's really important that wade and andrew are are uh, they're just crushing the ball right and i think it's especially encouraging for wade because of how bad he was last year all right so let's let's move on to our pinstripe previews now um we ha- we're going to do three each show from now until the season starts and last show we did dd greg bird and Batansis. and this show we're going to start off with Jordan Montgomery. Now, Jordan Montgomery, obviously Judge was, you know, the surprise of last year. I know I'm pretty good Judge hit 50-plus home runs. But, you know, Gumby, if it weren't for Judge, he would have gotten some serious Rookie of the Year consideration. I mean, he was 9-7 and with the 3.88 ERA last year. 
I mean, he was a pretty solid number four guy for a guy that I never thought would crack this rotation, right? I thought a guy like Chance Adams or Justice Sheffield would be a fixture in the rotation before uh, Montgomery. But the main thing with Montgomery is, will he be able to repeat what he did last year, right? Because I don't think anybody's expecting him to take a major step, right? Like nobody is just just clamoring for for Monty to get below a 3.5 ERA and possibly make an all-star team. But if he improves on his numbers, he could be looking at that, right? I know it sounds crazy, but I don't know. What do you guys think of Gumby heading into 2018? Do you think he could repeat what he did last year? Yeah, I think the thing about Gumby that most most scouts raved about last year was him being a rookie and his poise on the mound was phenomenal. He'd give up a home run early on and he wouldn't look shook or anything. He would just go back out there and act like nothing happened and still try to do his best to keep the team in the game. And if you, because every rookie can come up and have the good stuff, but when you come up and have that poise and that attitude on the mound, I think that really says a lot for a young pitcher. So especially if he worked on his changeup as much as he did this offseason, as he said he did, and it looked good in the two or three um, outings he's had so far this spring. So I definitely think Gumby could – I mean, he's obviously the number five pitcher, but I definitely think he could put up number three or four, maybe even two pitcher stuff and have like a really breakout season this year for the Yankees, especially with the comparisons he's gotten of Andy Pettit. I'm not saying he's going to be the next Andy Pettit, but I totally could see him kind of fitting that mold with the Yankees in the future. What do you think, well, Nick? I'm going to let Nick – I'm going to just set this up for Nick real quick. What he said to me, which is a really good comparison, I thought – he said that Montgomery almost reminds him of a late career Andy Pettit. And I'll let you elaborate on that, Nick. But I thought that was a really good comparison. Yeah, and I'm going to stick with that. I mean, you look at him, and he's a guy who just pitches. He doesn't really blow people away. He's not running up high strikeout totals, but he knows how to pitch, you know, pitch to contact and get outs. Um, as Ryan kind of alluded to, I think the changeup will be huge for him because he said that in 2017 he kind of lost all feel for his changeup and was working with just a curve and a sinker and the occasional fastball. So – I think it'd be huge if he could add the changeup in. I mean, as we've talked about in previous podcasts, you know, having four or five pitches is huge for starters in today's game. You got to have, a, you know, more tools in the toolbox to, to really get to that ace level. And uh, there are people here at Bronx Bomber Ball that think that Jordan Montgomery has ace potential. In fact, there are people here who would not trade Jordan Montgomery and Tyler Wade for Marcus Stroman. Yes, Noah, I'm pointing to you. Um, all love, but you're crazy. Uh, when I look at Jordan Montgomery, yeah, like I said, the, the late, you know, career Andy Pettit is what I see. Uh, I think, you know, at the very, very best, he'll be a two starter, but I think the, the safest place to, you know, kind of project him to be in a rotation is probably three or four. Um, and so this is a guy that, you know, the Yankees didn't expect to be in the rotation last year. So, I mean, a three or four. Is, is fantastic. It's not like this guy was, you know, a really highly touted prospect or anything. I think that this is just kind of a, the Yankees are playing with house money with this guy and, and one big. So I, I think he's, you know, solid to be in the back of the rotation and hopefully the, the top end really pans out. And so whether or not he, you know, progresses or regresses, it'll all be okay. Right, right. Um, I, I really, it's just, I'm, cause there's a part of me that just says, you know, Montgomery's just going to blow up this year, right? Guys are just going to figure him out. There's a year of tape on him. Guys are just going to jump on his fastball. He's not going to blow guys away. But I don't know. What Ryan said could possibly be true. The guy just showed such poise and such veteran-like attributes for such a young pitcher that maybe that's going to carry him a long way, right? We've seen it before. But 
How about this? A little over and under here. Over and under a four ERA for Jordan Montgomery in 2018. Under. Oh, that is that is a really difficult question. He was 3.88 last year in 155 and a third innings. Well, to set this up for me, I think it all boils down to does he get his changeup back or not? I think if he is able to add the changeup in an effective manner, then I think he could take a step forward. If not, well, then, you know, as a starter, you can only go so long with two or three pitches that really aren't overpowering um, to get by. So I'm going to go just barely over. I'll say that changeup doesn't get there quite yet, but I don't think he's going to be a train wreck. I do think compared to his last season, he'll take a little bit of a step back. That's pretty common with, you know, sophomores in the MLB, but I don't think he'll be terrible by any means, but uh, I'll go slightly over. All right. What were you going to say, Ron? Another factor I think that we're not really taking account for is that the Yankees are going to place him against other teams' number five starters. And with the Yankees' offense, if they're not scoring six or seven runs off a team's worst starting pitcher, then there's a pretty big problem. So if Montgomery's pitching every fifth day against these number five starters and the Yankees are able to put up six or seven runs, I think that'll really allow him to relax and just pitch to his best ability he can, which I think will really help him in the long haul along with – the change up and the other things he's been working on. So I'm going to go Nick went barely over. I'm going to go barely under like a 3.9. I yeah, say that's a pretty good. I, I would probably go between 4.2 and 4.6. I think he's going to regress a little bit this year, but Hey, I mean, who knows, right? He, maybe Noah's right. Maybe Gumby does win the Cy Young, right? <laughs> maybe. I no, mean, no, he's wrong. Hey, to, <laughs> to each their own. Am I right? I mean, yeah. No, what in this of, one you're just wrong. Yeah, in this one you're just wrong. Let some people dream, Nick. Come on. Oh, man. Was Andy Pettit ever an ace? Let me tell you, Andy Pettit was pretty dang good, and I love that guy. But it, it's you don't have to be an ace to be that good. So I just think that, that would be an unreasonable expectation to put on the I guy. That's a pretty good point, Nick. So I don't know. Well, we'll see. A lot to be determined with Montgomery for next year, but only time will tell, right? Now let's move on to our next pinstripe preview. He's the best prospect on the Yankees, right? And that's all I need to say. It's Glaber Torres. Guys, what do you think of Glaber's 2018? What's going to happen? Well, I don't know what we can really say that we haven't already said in the last I, I, uh, couple. I, it's, such, it's really it's so, it's so up for debate. Like Glaber could be this year's Aaron Judge. We might not see him at all. Like I don't, I don't know. I think, I think we're definitely going to see him in 28. I mean, barring like an injury or something, we're definitely going to see him. I, I think he's – Definitely going down for a couple weeks, as we previously discussed. Um, he's got, a, I think, how many games is it? Sixteen? I the can't old, remember. The old, the old like Chris Bryant thing they did, right, where he literally got correct. Up, like, yeah, I, I, I think if he stays down, I don't quote me on this, but sixteen games or it's it's only a couple games. I, yeah, uh, I think it was like about a month. It's about the first a month. month of the okay, about, it's it's really not. It's not yeah. much. I think it amounts to two three weeks basically that they're going to send him down and effectively doing so will delay his service time and then pretty much give him an extra year of team control. So I think he's going down for a bit, but I think once he has his legs underneath him, I mean, he is coming back from, you know, surgery on his non-throwing elbow. Uh, I think once, you know, he he reestablishes himself, we're going to see him in the Bronx. Um, Again, we've talked about it. This guy is, you know, one of the most elite hitters, you know, for his age in all the game. MLB.com has said this guy is going to contend for batting titles and also has 20 home run pop which, you know, in Yankee Stadium in this juice ball era, that could easily be a 30 home run pop. Um, you know, you, you take a guy, I don't know if this is really the best comp, it's just off the top of my head, 
but kind of reminds me of a Jose Altuve type guy in the fact that, you know, he gets the bat on the ball. Um, he just got a lot of raw tools. And so I don't know. I think we're going to see him for a good, a good portion of the season. And if I had to pick a rookie of the year today, um, it's tough between him and Andujar, but I'm definitely picking one of those two. I think that he or Andujar are really going to step up for the Yankees, but I think we're going to see nothing but but good things from uh, Torres. It's not often you see a young prospect, a 21-year-old kid, uh, being rated as you know such an elite and advanced hitter. And the yeah. thing that impressed the thing that impressed me about Glaber real quick, Ryan, is he, he would hit he was hitting 273 in double A when he got called up, but then he actually improved on his batting average in triple A and improved on his numbers overall, hitting 306 in triple A. So I, I think because I I remember seeing last year, I was, you know, was kind of surprised he wasn't tearing up double A, right? But you know, it's an adjustment period for everyone. A lot of times double A is actually tougher than triple A because you get the elite prospects in double A. But Ryan, what do you what do you think about Glider? Yeah, I think one of the things people are forgetting, Matt and Nick, is that he's he's 21 years old. Like people, yeah, like really guys, he seems like he's been around forever. Like he's he was mm-hmm. on the he was on the Cubs and then he came over here and he was already pretty highly touted. That trade seems here. like it was five years ago. It really does, especially because that's when the Yankees were not in playoff contention. It seems mm-hmm. like even after just last year that the Yankees have been relevant for so long now, but. I just think people forget how young he is and that it's not the end of the world if he's not on the opening day roster. He's 21 years old. I think you don't quote me on this, but I think he had, he obviously has under 100 at bat since AAA. I'm not sure the exact number. But and then the man just missed a whole summer because of Tommy John surgery. I mean, given it was his non-throwing shoulder or elbow, but I do think he needs to accumulate the bats in AAA, see some pitching, kind of like what they said about Clint Frazier last year. He's MLB ready, but he's got to fine tune a few things in his mechanics to be the best player he can be. Yeah, um, it says Torres had 81 AAA at bats. So yeah, yeah, right. yeah, he need, he needs some more experience down there. And the over and under, under I'm going to put for Gliber, over or under 100 games in the majors for Gliber this year. I'll go over. I'm going to go under. I'm going to go right under, like maybe like 80 to 90. That's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I, it's just going to be because if he if he's not there the first month of the season, right? It's already twenty games, twenty plus games, right? So, uh, see, to me, to I'm not thinking he's going to be down that long. I think that once he see, my hope is that he get to AAA and just you know start hitting and catch fire and enforce the issue right away. Um, mm-hmm. to kind of go back to my uh, Jose Altuve comp to kind of put it in perspective, Jose Altuve hit three forty six with you know twenty four home runs this year. I think that's a good comp for Torres, and that kind of player in the Yankees lineup would be, you know, fantastic in a lineup that's already stacked with, you know, more power-oriented hitters. To get a guy who's got the contact, you know, to hit for a high average would be just just great for this team. I can't say it enough. And also, guys, how good does that Aroldis Chapman trade look right now? I mean, the Yankees got Torres, uh, they got Adam Warren back, and uh, Billy McKinney's really come on. He's been hitting well this spring. He was a prospect who kind of was losing some luster when he came over to the Yankees, but really has done nothing but rebound and build his stock back. And they traded that all for, you know, a half a season of a role to Chapman. And granted, Chapman, you know, it wasn't just him taking him to the World Series, but he contributed in a big way to that World Series. But, man, the Yankees are kind of setting up to potentially be the winners long-term from that if, they, if these guys can come up and contribute to, a, you know, a ring or two. Well, that was one of those trades where it was – 
it was like a once in a lifetime type of trade, right? Because you're not going to find many situations where a team's going to say, "Hey, we will literally trade you. We will literally trade for this guy for half a year to get our first title in over a hundred years. Like, that's worth it, right?" Whereas in another situation where a team just won a title and then they lost them, it would be pretty bad. But for the Cubs, they would do that a hundred times again to get that elusive World Series that they finally got last year. So, hundred years had a pen. Our last, I was about to say, I was going to put an exact number on, but I'm like, I just know it's over hundred years. What, 107? What was it? 1903? It's terrible. Um, it was probably last, a number all the Chapman can throw. That's uh, <laughs> how big it was. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So, our third pinch threat preview is none other than the biggest free agent signing in the history of everything. I'm just kidding. He wasn't even a free agent signing. <laughs> it's a good try. Good try. <laughs> it's Giancarlo Stanton. And like, can you guys I mean, come on? Can I, you know, I'm no, this is, I'm calling it a free agent sign because trading Starling. <laughs> it essentially, and, it essentially <laughs> was. Yeah. Like, like that, that's a free agent sign. Like we, we, we got Giancarlo Stanton for basically nothing. Right. The guy that hit 59 home runs last year, the guy that won the National League MVP award, the only other guy that, in terms of stat cast, even really compares to Judge, right? Like every stat cast list you see is just Judge Stanton, Judge Stanton. So, I mean, it, it really is like we haven't talked about this a lot on the pod because it's like beating a dead horse, but it's going to be fun to watch Judge and Stanton in the same lineup. And, oh, I. Just take it away, guys. I'm I'm having a moment here. Uh, I'll I'll take it from you. Um, I appreciate what you did for us there. But again, we kind of talked about Stanton, uh, Stanton on and off the uh, last couple podcasts. And again, this is a guy who hit 59 home runs, 132 runs driven in, and hit 281 um, for the Marlins last year. And again, let's recap: the Marlins uh, ballpark is a canyon. It's gigantic, very, and the Marlins very, lineup picture friendly. Correct, and the Marlins lineup. You know, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's elite by any means. They had a couple of good hitters who are now all on different teams, by the way. Uh, but it's nothing compared to, you know, how stacked the Yankees lineup is. So you put him in the Yankees lineup in Yankee Stadium, and I think 60 home runs is a realistic possibility. And honestly, to me, this is my – if I had to pick a Yankee for the MVP candidate, I'm picking Stanton. And I think he's got a really good chance – I. I assume we're all going to say that Mike Trout's probably the favorite for the MVP in the AL just because he's Mike Trout. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would, I would I would peg Stanton as definitely a really good chance to catch him because I think he can put up better numbers in this ballpark and in this lineup and really contribute for the Yankees. And one thing um, that we kind of maybe skipped over in spring training that's been interesting is the Yankees, I think, had him in left field the other day, and that didn't really go too well. Um you know, some people on Twitter are really freaking out about that. And, okay, you want to hold off on that for now? I said we'll go into a little bit later. Go on. Okay, sounds good. No, that's fine. Um, mm-hmm. We'll hold off on that. But basically, I think that if the Yankees, you know, rotate him and Judge in and out of the DH spot, the really the one knock on Stanton throughout his career has been injuries and the ability to stay healthy. And I think coming to the American League, where hopefully he and Judge can, you know, swap some at bats at, at DH, can keep them both fresh. So. I expect nothing but big things from Giancarlo Stanton, and this is, was just a steal of a trade. You know, obviously it's a, it's a salary dump, but man, how often you know are you able to trade Starling Castro for the reigning NL MVP? It's just nuts. 
Yeah, there really isn't much more to add to that. Nick basically covered it all, but there is one thing I want to throw out there. Have you guys um, noticed how strong John Carl Stanton is? Really? His uh, pop-ups go to the wall, man. I mean, uh, he, he's going to be hitting pop-ups in Yankee Stadium that go over the wall, like, effortlessly. Wait, John Carlos Stanton, he, he's strong? I, dude, no I one I nobody in the sports him. media has told me that. I like, saw some of his workout videos. That man looked—he looked pretty strong, dude. The way his shirt was—I don't, I don't know, man. I just something was telling me he's really does big. Does he work strong. out? I mean, I assume so. <laughs> right, oh man, I wonder if he takes—I wonder if he takes protein. All right, since we like, since there's like you know everything you could say about Stan has already been said, <laughs> but which because look, since we got Stan right, I've been hearing and I've been seeing a lot on Twitter what Sterling's home run call is going to be. And there's two that just really stick out to me. I think it's a two, I think it's a two horse race. It's either Giancarlo hits it, John Farlow, or he hit it to Stanton Island. Now I'm, oh, a, I'm all I'm in. Giancarlo. Stanton Island no, nope. I am a Giancarlo. Nope. Giancarlo hits it. John oh. Farlow is gold. That I'm is sorry. You can go, you can go hang out with Noah in the wrong camp on this podcast. And it's oh. going to be Stanton Island. I'm telling you, Ryan, be the. I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a limb here and say that uh, it's gonna be neither of those two calls. I think it's gonna be something like that no one could have predicted. Sterling's he's pretty good at coming up with the most random calls ever, and I think that's what he's gonna do here. I think he's not going to cave into all the Twitter demands and all the the hype about it. I think he's gonna. Come on, Sterling doesn't even know what Twitter is. Come on, for all we know, Sterling thinks that his name is Mike. He might just think his name is Mike still. He doesn't know it's Giancarlo. He's probably going to go with something having to do with Mike at this point. Him and Susan, I mean, good grief. You know, they haven't ever messed anything up before. So, I, got I don't know. Look for I, got over like Mike call. I got an over-under for you guys. Over-under, Susan calls Stanton Mike 15 times this season. <laughs> In the first month, over. Yeah, we'll go over. We'll go way over. Well, well over, actually. Yeah, speaking of the Yankees and announcers, did you guys see on Twitter today those photo shoots? Ken Singleton, man. Oh my those god! Sunglasses. That they're just, there is a picture. There is a picture where they were like every person on the Yes broadcasting team was like, I think they're in the bathroom and they were all like holding a mic. And <laughs> that that was the last time I've been on Twitter today. Like I logged out of Twitter, I closed my laptop. That was pretty uh, pretty unique by the, the fog. The picture I with did the not see around. that, and I don't think I want to see that at all. Yeah, I'm gonna. You, I don't think you do want to see it. You know, you're um, totally getting tagged in it after this, Nick. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, please don't. But yeah, so John Carlos Stanton, it's it's really not gonna set in until he's in Yankee Stadium in those pinstripes, just in front of all those people. That's what because look, watching him in spring training, and still waiting for him to hit his first spring training home run, but. It's just I, I can't wait to see him in Yankee Stadium, man. It's it's going to be special, and it's like really, has 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 there ever been? Because probably not. Has there ever been a team, two teammates that hit fifty home runs a year before that joined up? Never happened, right? There's no way. I'd say probably not. And something that we mentioned, you know, in the last couple of podcasts, I don't think there's any better three hitters on the same team than Gary, uh, Giancarlo, and Judge. I just don't think they're there. Yeah, um, oh, I agree. You look at those guys, and they could – I mean, this is pushing it a little bit, but, hey, you know, 150 home runs isn't out of the realm of possibility. If Stanton puts up 60, if uh, Judge puts up 50, and uh, if Sanchez well, – I think we all can agree if he plays a full season, he's got 40 home run power. 
So that's yeah, a big if, but theoretically, I don't I don't think 150 is out of the realm of, you know, possibility. No, I don't either. I do not either. All those all three of those guys have potential to not just hit 40 plus. All those all three of those guys have potential to lead the league in home runs. It's as simple as that. Absolutely crazy. Them. Yeah. All right, so those were our three pinch strike previews for this week this uh episode. We'll uh Pick three more for next show. Now let's move on to we're going to do a little mini series here in spring training where we're going to preview. We're going to kind of break down, just talk about the biggest competitors to the Yankees. And today we're going to start off with the team that the Yankees came back against being down 2-0, two games to none and winning three straight. And yes, that is the Cleveland Indians, Nick's, Nick's, Nick's team. Hometown team. Oh, now the Cleveland Indians. Least favorite team. Yeah, least favorite team. Now the Indians last year, they had the best record in the AL. It was not the Astros. The Indians won 102 games last year with that ridiculous win streak. I mean, that was one of the craziest things we've seen in sports in a while. I mean, the Indians were, I believe, 48 and 40 at one point, and then from mid-August to almost mid-September, they just could not lose. Right, so. The Indians, they got a squad, but everyone, everyone is talking about, especially with the uh, Verlander comments, where Verlander angrily said, you know, the AL goes through us, not the Yankees. And to even say that just shows that you're insecure. I, I love your right? Verlander impression, Luigi. That, that was, was that my all. Verlander impression. Paid up and hit me up. But, you know, the Indians, they still got a stacked team, man. I mean, they still got that guy by the name of uh, Corey Kluber, or as I like to call him, Didi Gregorius Jr., um, <laughs> <laughs> poor guy, D.D. Rudin, that guy, that guy's going to come out and have like a 5.5 year already next year. I think D.D. Rudin, that guy's like, but you know, I mean, guy, you've got guys like Edwin Encarnacion and Carlos Santana, uh, Jose Ramirez. I mean, and this Indian team is going to be good. So guys, do you think the Indians are, do you guys I think the Indians are a bigger threat than the Astros? I know that might sound like a crazy question, but it might be valid. Well, to the uh, Indians fan that was holding the one epic collapse sign uh, behind home plate uh, in, in the playoffs, I just want to say that your team has owned five the last two years in uh, game clinching uh, series in the playoffs or uh, wait, series clinching games. Sorry, that's crazy, yep. right? Little, five straight losses. A little uh, dyslexia set in there, but um, yeah, guys, I've been pretty open about this. Uh, the Indians are my least favorite team. But you've got to respect them. They have the best record uh, in all of baseball, if my math is correct, the last two years. Um, obviously, as Luigi alluded to, they had an incredible win streak last year and won 102 games. So uh, I don't know what it is. This team just doesn't – I mean, obviously in 2016 they got to the World Series. But, man, did they, uh, did they fall flat last year. And I loved every second of it. But I think when you look at the Indians – you got to look and see. They lost Carlos Santana and Jay Bruce, which were huge offensive pieces in their lineup. And really, they replaced it with uh, Yonder Alonso, which that guy had a great first half, but then really fell off the table. I'm, I'm not really a believer in him. So that lineup, um, really outside of Lindor, Ramirez, and Encarnacion, doesn't really scare me at all. Um, Encarnacion hits homers, but you can strike him out. Uh, Jose and Frankie Lindor are two batters that you really do got to be careful with. Um, they can do it. They can take you for a base hit or take you deep. Um, but really, the strength of the Indians is their pitching staff. Corey Kluber, you know, Cy Young winner. I don't think I'd really need to go into much depth uh, with him. But also, Carlos Carrasco, um, people don't really look at him that much and give 
and give him the credit that he's due. He put a th- up a three two nine ERA with two hundred innings pitched and uh, over two hundred strikeouts this year. So and that's the, Kluber-like stats. The reason I'm so Go scared ahead. of the Indians is because is there anything scarier in a game than if Kluber starts, right? Let's say you go six innings, you bring in Miller for like an inning two third, and then you go to Allen. That might be the best one, two, three in all of baseball. Like I, I know the Yankees. And that's what I was going to get to. It's, that's just that's brutal, man. I know we really didn't see it come to fruition right in the ALDS last year because Kluber just wasn't himself. But man, that you you look if we a guy like Kluber, that guy, hey, he's not going to be like that all the time, right? Like if we if we face the Indians this year in the playoffs, like there's a good chance that he's gonna he's gonna throw one of those gems that he's thrown so many times before. Oh yeah, well I'm pretty sure if I if I remember correctly, I think I I can't remember if it was a complete game or not, but the the game I mentioned earlier this uh, year that I was at, uh, Kluber pitched and he shut out the Yankees. I mean I'm pretty sure it was a complete game shutout. It it wasn't really even close, and it's it's a you know good that you bring up. I was going to get to you know Andrew Miller and Cody Allen are very good. They did lose Brian Shaw, who mm-hmm. a lot of Indians fans will tell you he's not that great, but uh, he's not bad either. I mean he's a solid piece, but yeah. You could say that the Yankees had the best uh, bullpen top to bottom, but hey, the, the Indians might have the best, you know, like you said, one, two, three pitchers between, you know, starter to reliever to reliever. So I think mm-hmm. that that definitely plays into. Um, however, overall, I'm going to say uh, I think they're going to take a step back this year. I think they're going to win the division pretty much by default. That's a pretty terrible division uh, outside yeah. of the, the Twins made the wild card, but I don't think they're seriously threatening the Indians for, for the division, but. I look at this team, and, you know, your outfield is going to be Michael Brantley, Bradley Zimmer, and Lonnie Chisenhall. And Zimmer is an up-and-coming prospect who could be pretty good. But Brantley, man, he was so good back in the day. He was one of my friend's favorite players, and just injuries have wrecked him. It's, it's mm-hmm. so funny because Mark Teixeira was my guy, and Michael Brantley was his. And it just seems like injuries really took those guys out of the game entirely. It's, it's terrible. And uh, you look at Jason Kipnis, who he was good for a couple of years, and he just hasn't been, you know, back since. And so – I don't know. I look at the Indians, and I'd put the Yankees above. If I had to like rank teams right now, I'm putting the Yankees above the Indians. Uh, I think they lost a lot in Carlos Santana and Jay Bruce. And I don't know, man. They just seem to have the yips when it comes to the playoffs. Uh, they, they just can't seal the deal. Uh, Andrew Miller, uh, Greg Bird says what's up, but we miss you, brother. Yeah, man. M- Miller really is a guy that I, I, every time I watch him pitch and every time I see him just have those ridiculous numbers and just basically pitching every game, it makes you miss him, right? But – you know who the oh, Indians yeah. do have as their third string second baseman? Robbie Ref. <laughs> oh, throwback. That was the first point I was going to make when I talked about the Indians. <laughs> Rob, Rob Ref Snyder. I just saw his name. Yeah, well, I think I actually came it, across that the other day. Well, Rob, my Rob Ref Snyder breakdown? Yeah, break it down for us. How's it going to lead the Indians to uh, the World Series? Well, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that uh, Jason Kipnis is going to break his leg in the first month and Rob Refsnyder is going to have to be plugged in as the everyday second baseman. And I think this man, he's he was such a good prospect. Like, it's crazy to think how far the Yankees' farm system has come because I remember Rob Refsnyder was yeah, – Robbie Ref was the guy he, in our farm he, system. He was, was Glaber Torres before Glaber Torres even knew what a baseball was. Like, this man was – <clears throat> gonna be the next big Yankee second baseman. Like that's why I like Canogo in all honesty. Because they're like, we got Rob Ref Snyder coming up. We're gonna plug in Steven Drew for two years, let him hit Steven Drew ruined his life. <laughs> and we'll we'll put Rob Ref Snyder when he's ready, which I guess never happened because the Yankees DFA'd him last year and then trade him to the Blue Jays for a single A first baseman. But like honestly, I'm kind of with you, Nick. This Indians team doesn't intimidate me at all. Other than the starting rotation, if you're able to get through that, like if you're able to get in their heads and get them out early. 
other than Andrew Miller, like Cody Allen doesn't even really scare me that much. Like I would say if he was on the Yankees, he'd probably be like their fourth best reliever, if we're being honest. Like Yeah, I agree with that. I don't know, like their outfield I think is is average at best. Bradley Zimmer hasn't proved anything. Lonnie Chisenhall is a platoon player. Michael Brantley can barely even stay on the field. So I don't really think that we're really going to see anything too crazy out of their outfield. So unless Lindor and Romero's repeat what they did, which they had career years last year. So I, I kind of think last year might have been their ceilings as to what they could accomplish in the major leagues. So unless they somehow go above and beyond that, I think the Indians are definitely below the Yankees and definitely below the Astros. Yeah, well, I would say that. No, you, you look go. at that rotation, and and uh, you know Kluber and Carrasco are a good one too. But man, kind of at the bottom three, there's some question marks as well. Trevor Bauer, man, I look at him in like a like a Michael Pineda kind of way. Like when he's on, he's on. But man, when he's off, he's running up high pitch counts. You know, walking people left and right. Uh, Salazar. Yeah, we talked yeah, about Salazar's drone. been good when he's. Oh yeah, drone boy, <laughs> cutting his fingers. Uh, hey, don't forget four games in the World Series. He's reckless, real. Man. Oh, real what brilliant game, guy. What game and, was that? Uh, like one or two where he hit the blood was just gushing. <laughs> oh yeah, I think it was game two. I was actually at that game, and, uh, and yeah, yeah man, man. it was it was pretty crazy. Like you're bleeding too much on the ball, bro. Like I'm sorry, but we can't have this anymore. <laughs> and uh, and Danny Salazar, when he's been healthy, uh, he's been good. But health is you know a concern for him. And uh, so yeah, like uh, Ryan says, they don't intimidate me. Uh, Andrew Miller used to intimidate me, and then I saw uh, Greg Bird suck the living soul out of that man. And uh, boy, I, I wonder how much did that have to take the air out of the sails of the Indians? And then you know you see uh, Didi Gregorius taking Corey Kluber deep twice. <laughs> I love every second of it, dude. Like that must have just been the worst possible way to get out of you know the, the playoffs this year. You think you you lose the the World Series, you go up three games to one and lose the World Series, and then follow it up with going up 2-0 on the Yankees, a team that Indians fans just just hate just for for all the trades. It's they they always tell you that the Yankees took all their players back, you know, kind of in the you know early mid two thousands, and uh, boy, that just must have been some salt in the wound, and I loved every second of it. Not gonna lie, Nick. I watched those videos of Didi's home runs and Greg Bird's home run off of uh, Andrew Miller at least three or four times a day. And oh that's yeah, not, that's not like, even an under, that's a, probably an understatement. Honestly, I've watched back both oh, those yeah. videos at least twenty times each, and that twenty times with the, with the Titanic number. music on it. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I put that on our Twitter with the Titanic music. I think that oh, might have been one of our most yep. retweeted Man. tweets of all time. And just like how how great were those Maddie V calls? Because look, I'm not a guy that is like a lot of people hate Joe Buck, and I like a lot of people will say about Joe Buck that he just in all these big moments, he just you know, he just like doesn't do good calls. But Maddie Vascurgeon, man, he there, those are some great calls he had in the postseason. Even one, I, even one of the Indians' home runs where he did the old. Uh, Santa Maria. Was, he, that guy knows how to call home runs, man. He's I'm, a great addition really, to ESPN. Really, really, yeah, really glad he's going to be on Sunday Night Baseball, considering the Yankees are probably going to have like half their games on Sunday yeah, Night Yeah, exactly. Baseball. It's going to be it's going to be Yankees and Cubs and Dodgers probably every other night, every other weekend on a rotation. So, yeah, it's Matty V, A-Rod, and Jessica Mendoza. Yeah, right? yeah that, that girl that they, uh, oh my. they love yeah, over I think they do with the bad. No. <laughs> uh, well, I'm surprised that Greg Bird didn't get ejected in that game. Because if I'm the umpire, I'm saying you you got to get out of here. You just can't shit on somebody like that. Like, oh my lord, you you yeah. got to get out. Yeah, I'm was, pretty sure Soul just against Major League Baseball's rules. Like, I'm pretty sure that was just the most the most savage and immoral thing I've ever seen. I almost turned my TV off. I'm like, oh my god, I I don't think I can unsee that. <laughs> 
Yeah. Live television, just murdering him. Oh, my Lord. So, guys, if you had to make a prediction, do you think that the Indians are going to face the same fate as they did last year? I know it's kind of hard to predict because you just don't know what's going to happen, right, in terms of matchups. But I could see a Yankees-Indians first-round matchup once again in that two-first-three spot. Well, yeah, I could see it. I think – Man, I think that the Yankees and the, the Astros are going to be duking it out for the top record in the league. But I, I honestly see another first-round exit for the Indians. Again, I think they're going to make it there, but I just don't think they have the firepower. They're very top-heavy in their rotation. And, again, that lineup really isn't inspiring anybody. So I think they'll make the playoffs, but I think you're looking at a, another first-round exit for them, unfortunately, for them. I got a bold prediction for the Indians. I'm going to say the Twins win the division. The Indians are eliminating the playoff, one-game playoff. Wow. Oh, wow. Wow. That is, that is, you heard it here first. Ryan hates you. Jake, Jake Ryan Ryan is going to pitch that wild card game. Lead the Twins to the ALDS. Yeah, you know, the Twins The Twins might have been the most surprising team last year. Obviously, other than the Yankees, the team that won 70 games the year before, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere made the playoffs. So I wouldn't be surprised if they – another nice season and spe- hey if cleveland takes a step back if they take a step forward that's all it takes right they gave so, the yankees time to go see. Gregorius, give him credit. that's a very good Gregorius needs to be careful when he travels to the al central ballparks because he did a lot of bad things to uh, <laughs> al central teams last year in the playoffs just a lot of filthy dirty things you know we always forget about dd he had three of the biggest home runs within the first six yankee playoffs game those were like his only three hits in those games. Like he was hitting so he was hitting, I believe, headed that game five. He was like at 150, 170 for the postseason. But well, it matters. That's, that's fine. What, that's what's Good great enough about the me. Right? You remember the big yep. one. So that was our little Cleveland preview. We'll probably probably do uh Boston next week, you know, with the whole JD Martinez thing and Savior of Boston baseball. They they think they're actually on the same level as like see, in my opinion, the Yankees the Astros, the Indians, and the Dodgers are just all on another level. Like it, it, The Red Sox are not on that level yet, in my opinion. Not not when your best pitcher is Chris Sale and a guy that literally breaks down every year starting in like late August. But we'll get in, more into that on our next preview. Now, if, just a few things to close the show. Now, Ryan, you had a uh, question submitted to you, I believe. I did. Actually, for one of our biggest fans, I would say. Really? Let me pull it up on Twitter real quick. Yeah, he used to, he used to be a. Let an me editor. get my gavel out. <laughs> All rise for this question. Uh, <laughs> that gavel sounded too big to be true. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. That's a perfect transition. So Stephen Erickson, he's tweeted at the Bronx Bomber Ball Twitter. Tell me why Aaron Boone will be a better manager than Joe Girardi. Um, I'll take this. Now, look, I have no idea how Boone manages, right? Boone might want to go all four lefties and then five righties in the lineup, right? He might want to play all lefty outfielders. I have no idea what Boone wants to do as a manager, right? But I'll tell you this. I think that Aaron Boone is going to be so much more laid back than Joe Girardi, right? Because so often, Girardi's biggest problem, I think what ultimately cost him his job, was he did not watch the game on the field enough. He was so preoccupied looking at that, you guessed it, that binder, that he wouldn't even watch the game in front of him. He would be he would take out a guy who just struck out 
two hitters with these to put in a lefty-lefty matchup, right? He would do things like that all the time, and a lot of times it cost him. Now, with this Yankee team this year, this is a team that might have so much talent that I could go out and manage them to an AL East title, right? Like, it, honestly, it's it, they're going to be so talented that you don't need to overmanage this team. And I think Boone, just considering, you know, how he is and how he seems to carry himself, he's very laid back. He's very relaxed. He's not going to overmanage. He's going to let these guys play. And I know that's such a general thing to say, but I think it's really true. I, I think he's actually going to make – I think he's going to use his baseball mind by watching the game and not the binder. That, that's just what I think. I could be wrong. Who, who knows? He's, he could be even more analytical than Girardi. But I think the main reason the Yankees went with a guy like Boone and they didn't go with, you know, because who, who are the Yankee? Who are the six Yankee candidates for the job? There was a lot of older guys. And there, I think there's a reason they went with Aaron Boone. Well, I know they definitely wanted a guy who would relate to the players better. Exactly. So I, mm-hmm. I think they said that Girardi kind of lost favor in the clubhouse. So hopefully he, he you know, kind of clicks with the guys better, um, kind of has their support more than Girardi. And then I, I agree entirely with everything you said. Um, you know, there were reports out there saying the Yankees kind of wanted an analytics-oriented mind, uh, you know, in addition to being a younger guy, you can get, get along with the players. But I, I'm along, you know, the same same mindset as far as it's not going to be, you know, we're going to consult, you know, a stat book that says in this certain situation, we absolutely have to do this. I think there's going to be a lot more feel of the game, which is, I think, is exactly the switch that the Yankees needed. Um, Girardi had his moments where he made some pretty, pretty brilliant moves, and then he had his moments where he probably lost games just by overmanaging, so... I think uh, it'll just be a more relaxed atmosphere overall, which I think is what a young group of guys kind of needs. Um, obviously, there's going to be accountability, but at the same time, I think, you know, Girardi had this death grip on a really young locker room. I think that that just does more harm than good. It's not what you want. I was going to say it is what you not. want with Aaron Boone. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you guys. Um, I read a couple things on MLB.com. They're talking about what they've noticed different about Boone from Girardi from just spring training. And I think MLB.com really focused on how positive Boone is and how, how uplifting he is and how like he's there for the player. He's trying to make these connections. Like even when he was doing an interview with um, Michael Kay on a yes broadcast a few games ago. And even during the interview, he was clapping for players like Glaber turned a double play. And he's like, that a boy Glaber. Like, I just really think he's going to be a player's manager. He's going to let them do their thing, but he's also going to, ha- he's going to have a voice. He's not going to just be there and let the players choose everything. I think he really is going to have an impact for the, for the good on that clubhouse as a whole. It's just cool. Cause I can imagine like Boone after a game, like going out to the club with those guys, like, you know, like, I, could, I could see Boone and CC at, like going out to a club in the city. Like, Do you guys remember that picture on the plane where all those guys were dressed with their fancy suits and like Chase Headley was on the back on his iPad. Like, I feel like, I feel like Girardi's the guy in the iPad and Boone would be the guy who's front and center in that picture. Like, I think that's the difference between them as a manager. Yeah, I, I think it's because, you know, like, like you said, Boone is, could be super analytical, but I really think it's just going to be so nice to – because I think, look, Girardi was the manager for a decade, right? He was the manager for a good amount of time where we gotten so used to just, you know, watching a Yankee game managed by Girardi's ways, right? I was and nine years old when he became manager. It's crazy. Yeah, thing about yeah. It, he's he's been there all those years, and you know I, I I've always said this, and I know they eventually won the series, but game two, what Girardi did game two when he took CC out that cost him his job. 
Like I, the Yankees could have won the World Series last year. He's still not the manager. Like I truly believe that because like that that because you guys remember how bad that was. Like mm-hmm. Gir- Girardi had to come out like crying. Like he was almost like in tears in that podium, right? And like I thought that was you know it was, when you think about it, it was pretty special how the Yankees you know they didn't they didn't win that series for Girardi, but they you know they rallied around. And they picked up their coach, you know, and obviously it couldn't save them, but. I mean, that was just, that was like an all time. It was, it was literally like just every bad move Girardi made was just piling up to that moment, right? Where it was like the whole world was just watching you screw up. The whole world watched you take out your pitcher in the fifth inning who was just cruising. So I'm pretty sure I was live tweeting that game and I've never tweeted so many tweets in all capital letters in a span of 30 seconds. I I don't even look, people talk about him not challenging. Like, yeah, that was bad. But I I just get so caught up about him taking out CeCe. I think he had 76 pitches. He wasn't even through five innings. I stood up off my couch and said, what are you doing? I said, like, what are the hell are you doing, Girardi? CeCe was just having some, I mean, CeCe was great all postseason last year, but he was just having such a good game. And to take him out and put in Chad Green in a spot that he didn't need to be in was just cost him his job. And so, yeah, I think there's just going to be a lot less out with Boone. I mean, well, Boone's going to screw up, right? Boone's going to make bad moves. But there's going to be – I don't think we're going to be calling him Binder Boone, you know? No, no. No, I don't think that's the case. Yeah. So let's let's end the show with a simple question from our own Alex Weir. Who's the best at Fortnite? I don't know Luigi who's um, the best at Fortnite. I'm voting for Luigi. Well, I'm, I'm going with Luigi. I've seen Luigi. I've fought alongside Luigi proudly in Fortnite and seen what he's capable of. Um, <laughs> Ryan, I'm sorry, but you play on Xbox. And uh, you have great hair, but uh, you're not better than Luigi at Fortnite. And, it's you just know, simply because they play on it's Xbox? Too, it's, it's, it's a two-to-one It's a two to one vote here, so I mean, I'm sorry. Can... But... Uh, we, we need we need a bigger sample size. This is yeah, we, this was just a rhetorical question and just something I wanted to put out there. But yeah, I'm probably the best at Fortnite. Um, I've got three wins, guys. Also, just another quick note: we had our Bronx Bomber Ball fantasy draft last night, and got some really bad teams. See, we did a 14 team league, right? And I mean, that draft. I mean, oh my god. I like I, I I shaved in the beginning of the draft and I had a full beard by the time the draft ended. Like that's how long that draft was. I mean, it, with fourteen teams, you got to the middle of the draft and you were like, "Well, which below average player am I going to pick now?" And you picked my Luis last. Sessa, so my last pick was Luis Sessa. I already dropped him. Um, I also picked Clint Frazier. Don't know why I did that. He's probably going to total like fifteen points this year. So yeah. How do you guys feel about your fantasy teams? Yeah, that draft was longer than an uh, MLB game. That's how long that was. Oh, uh, pretty terrible, to, right? We need, out how, we need to figure out how to make this draft five minutes shorter. Maybe more people. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, more people would play fantasy baseball if the drafts were. Yeah. I put on a pitch clock, and uh, it didn't seem to have much of an effect. But yeah, I don't know. Kind of like Luigi alluded to, it's it's. The league is very thin. I think there's some some very bad teams, but there's not exactly like a very good team. Um, there wasn't really that much controversy in the draft itself. I think maybe the biggest eye popping move was me. I had the 14th pick, so I picked. I went with the safe move in Joey Votto at 14. I think that's about the safest bet you can get in a guy to uh, produce and 
put up solid numbers. And then at 15, I went with Gary Sanchez because I wasn't going to pick for like another 26 picks after that. That's how long I have to go between. And the catcher position is probably the thinnest in all of Major League Baseball. There's Gary and Buster Posey. And then, you know, you got to pray that you find a semi-competent catcher. So that's what Wilson, I picked. Wilson Contreras um, was the third-ranked catcher, which is, you know, it's like he's nowhere near yeah. for your Buster. Yeah, Maybe Austin. something that kind of surprised me is Didi Gregorius went in the second round at 27. I think that that's – I, I mean, that was Dan. Dan the man. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised. Um, Come on. This man came I'm not necessarily su- surprised. Yeah, that's true. But I want to run a trade by you guys that I sent to our very own Cameron – I don't know how to pronounce the last name. We're going to say Hawes. It looks like Gauze, but with an H. I'm going to go um, Hayes. I see. Uh, Hayes, okay, Sure. Uh, I sent him a trade of Aaron Alder, um, you know, not a bad uh, Phillies outfielder, up-and-coming guy. He's got potential. Uh, Yeah, and Danny Salazar, which he's, you know, full disclosure, a rebound candidate. What a good Indians Uh, rotation. Right, and so I packaged them up, and I sent them in a trade for Corey Dickerson and Alex Cobb. And my rationale was, hey, Alex Cobb doesn't have a team yet. And honestly, you look at his numbers, he's not – I mean, he's he's consistent. He'll put up, you know, okay-ish numbers, but he's not going to be an ace, but he's probably not going to be much worse. And so Cameron had the gall to say that trade was not even close and then sent me Corey Dickerson for Daniel Murphy straight up. So, Cameron, you are a douche. <laughs> you don't know anything about fantasy <laughs> baseball. show him Tony for second pick. What are you going to – know, Correct. Well, and he also picked uh, Jake Arrieta at 79. So and, and I don't you want you to sit here and tell I mean, me that – I mean, come on. should not be drafted. Oh, don't even don't even start this. Oh my <laughs> lord. Uh, yeah, my, I think the only free agent I got on my team was uh, Mustakis. Probably the best free agent right now. Which and, and they're all gonna have teams, you know, in the end. But yeah, Cameron, that's that's not cool, dude. You don't know how fantasy sports work. Um I'm calling you out. Uh yeah, Corey Dickerson for Daniel Murphy. Really good follow up trade. Really good, bro. Um hope you enjoy last place this year. So I bet you accepted, right? I bet you all these guys, though, that are free agents just love it, right? Imagine just being, like, sitting back. You're like, season I should be in spring training right now, sweating my A off. But guess what? I'm on my couch watching news reports right. about me and where I'm going to sign. <laughs> like, I'm in no rush. But I haven't gotten an offer yet. Like, they're saying, well, don't forget that. Right? They actually have, they have a free agent uh, spring training now that they're all going to. Oh, I yeah, think uh, I think Adam IMG. Wind was at it. Please sign with me. Like isn't that like IMG Academy or something? I think yeah. I think it's somewhere. Yeah. It's out of there. I think. I think they have one in Cali and one in Florida. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. And just it makes sense. how awkward must that be? You're trading with a bunch of guys who definitely aren't going to be on your team, and like you're all vying for a job somewhere. I just imagine that that's probably pretty weird. Yeah, it's, you know, I feel like all those guys at that point really don't care. Like, oh yeah, you're you're oh. going to this team. I'm going to this team. See, see, yeah. we're probably both going to win eighty games. <laughs> Hey, shout out to Aaron Carroll for taking future Yankee starter Chris Archer. <laughs> yeah, we Yankees need Chris there. Archer. Our World Series is not going to happen. Just on the note there. Oh, uh, correct. The, also, the shout out to Matt. My call. Shout out Matt Graziano for future Yankee Manny Machado. You guys are. Uh, it's going to pay off this year. Good picks. Yeah, the numbers are going to skyrocket once they're wearing pinstripes at the midpoint. That's how it works. Well, you know, Brandon Drury. Brandon uh, Drury is going to hit Drury. like 30, 40 home Drury. runs. I think that was Chad Rains, our uh, fearless leader himself, uh, affectionately known as Keg Stand Hero in our uh, fantasy draft. <laughs> He's known by a lot of things. I am well, the, known by a lot of things. But. I am the pace of play police in my fantasy draft because I am a I'm a big proponent of shortening baseball games by five minutes. That's my life. A lot of these names, 
a lot of these names we can't read on air. They're we we don't mind dropping Most the occasional them. one, but they're just yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, we just probably got the one that we can actually read. Hey, I'm PG thirteen out here. All right, well that was a that was a good show, guys. Um, I'm telling you, we're gonna be keep we're gonna keep getting these out. We love doing this. We love bringing these to you guys. We love talking about the Yankees. And I mean, guys, this is only spring training. We're we're just gonna have so much more to talk about once the season starts and once things actually happen. Once Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge both hit a 500 foot home run in the same game, there's gonna be a lot to talk about. For sure, man. For sure. Any closing thoughts, guys? Oh. I do, and that is Yeaters. Yeaters, boys. Yeaters. See you next time.